In chapters 1 and 2 of the book of Romans, we get a clear view of mankind. There are really bad people out there, and those of us who judge those bad people are equally guilty. And that's the verdict we find in chapter 3 of Romans. Join us. The ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. This is Graceful Truth with our teacher and pastor, Steve Converse. Welcome to our program. We're in the middle of a series called Guilty as Charged. Now, it's all taken from Romans chapter 3. As I mentioned a moment ago, chapters 1 and 2 lay out for us that, well, pretty much there is no one righteous, no, not one. That's the conclusion Paul comes to here in chapter 3. And that's what we're looking at here today as we continue with our series called Guilty as Charged. Why do we need to understand everyone guilty? Because it makes grace all the more brilliant. Here's Pastor Steve Converse now with today's broadcast. And this morning we'll be looking at uh, a message entitled Guilty as Charged. It's a Part one of two parts, probably. So we'll finish the rest of it next week. But I just want to read our text for us. Last week we dropped off there at verse 8 in Romans chapter 3. And so we want to pick it up at Romans chapter 3, verse 9. And I'll read down through uh, verse uh, 20 there. What then are we Jews any better off? No, not at all. For we have already charged that all, both Jews and Greeks, are under sin. As it is written, none is righteous, no, not one. No one understands. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside. Together they have become worthless. No one does good. Not even one. Their throat is an open grave. They use their tongues to deceive. The venom venom of asps is under their lips. Their mouth is full of curses and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. In their paths are ruin and misery, and the way of peace they have not known. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law. So that every mouth may be stopped and the whole world may be held accountable to God. For by works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. And so he says here basically that, you know what? We, are we any better off? I don't think he's talking about the Jews because he's already covered that section. He's not talking about the Gentiles because he wouldn't include himself in that section. Who could he be talking about? The only other group of people that he hasn't addressed yet are who? The believers in Rome. Who he's writing to. That's the only group. Nowhere else in the book of Romans does Paul say we and include himself with the Jews. Why would he do it here? And so he asks... The question, are we any better off than these people? Now, some of you this morning as Christians may be sitting there going, well, definitely we are. I mean, we're Christians. We have a righteous standing before God. Are we any better off than the immoral pagan? Are we better off than the moral religious man or the religious Jew? All of them are condemned before God. Are we better off? The question he's asking is this. Are we some kind of elite group of people? 
as Christians, who are better off than anybody else. That's why we're Christians, by our nature. Are we better than the pagan? And that fits, really, back with verse 8. He says, And why not do evil that good may come, as some people slanderously charge us with saying? So some people thought that Paul and his followers were saying, Oh, we're better than you. We're better than you. So they slandered them as a result. And so he gathers everybody up. And he asks the question, including the Christians. And he says, Are we who are Christians by nature in ourselves any better than the rest of the condemned world? What's the answer? No. (laughs) Not at all. Absolutely not. Altogether, in every way, absolutely, there's a finality to his answer. There's no possible way that we could be. He's gathered everybody up from the most vile, the most reprobate, homosexual, vice-ridden person to the one who assembles himself in the community of the believers. And that includes himself, beloved. And he says, none of us are any better off than any other one by ourselves in our own human nature. We're all equally guilty before a holy God. Wow. And he says there, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. He's already done that. He doesn't need to go through that again. He's already done it in chapter 2, chapter 1. That word there, already charged, is interesting because it's a legal term. It's used to designate a person previously indicted for a given assent, for a given offense. Already charged. It says that both Jews and Greeks are under sin. The original language there means to be totally under the power, under the authority, under the control of something or someone. That's the idea there. We're under the power of sin, under the control of sin, the authority of sin, the dominion of sin. Who is? Everybody. Everybody. That all is an all-inclusive all. Everybody. There's nobody outside of that. Next time you run into your religious friend, your neighbor, your coworker, explain this to them. See what kind of reaction you get. It's not going to be a pleasant one. I guarantee it. You can go all the way back to see how the Jews reacted to this. They wouldn't accept it. I mean, the Lord confronted them over and over and over again. The apostles confronted them over and over again about being sinful. They wouldn't accept it. The Jews couldn't even enter their their realm of thought. In Galatians 2.15, Paul writes this, We who are Jews by nature and not sinners of the Gentiles. This is what they're saying. What are they saying? They're saying, we're not like the Gentiles. We're we're Jews by nature. We're in a different classification. The, The Gentiles, definitely, they're sinners. Look over at John chapter 9 quickly. John 9. And this is where Jesus heals this man who's born blind. And it's an interesting confrontation with the Jewish leaders of the day. John chapter 9. Let's just read this. I'll read this for you. You can follow along in your, in your, your Bibles. John chapter 9, verse 1. As he passed by Jesus and he saw a blind man from birth... 
And his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, It is not that this man sinned or his parents, but that the works of God might be displayed in him. Wow, so God had a purpose in this man's blindness? What a horrible thing to think about. Think if your child was born blind. Could you honestly go to God and say, hey, God has a purpose in this. This is kind of exciting. I'm going to see how God uses my little blind baby. But that's true. God can even use things like this for his purpose. Jesus answered, or verse 4, we must work the works of him who sent me while it is still day, night is coming, when no one can work. As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. Having said these things, he spit on the ground and made mud with his saliva. And he anointed the man's eyes with the mud, said to him, go and wash in the, the pool of Shalom, which means sent. So he went and he washed and he came back seeing a miracle. Instantly. He didn't have glasses. Didn't have contacts. He didn't have to say, well, yeah, I'm kind of seeing. You know, it's it's getting a little blurry, but it's, it's better than it was. No. Total sight restored. Verse 8. The neighbors and those who had seen him before as a beggar were saying, is this not the man who used to sit and beg? Some said, it is he. Others said, no, it just looks like him. He kept saying, I am the man. So they said to him, then how were your eyes opened? He answered, the man called Jesus made mud and anointed my eyes. And he said to me, go to Shalom and wash. So I went and washed and recovered my sight, received my sight. They said to him, where is he? He said, I don't know. (laughs) Well, they brought the Pharisees to the man who had formerly been blind now, it was the Sabbath day when Jesus made the mud and opened his eyes. So the Pharisees asked him, the Pharisees again asked him how he had received his sight. And he said to them, he put mud on my eyes and I washed and I see. What are you not getting here? <laughs> it's rather simple. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God. For if he does not keep, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others said, how can a man who is a sinner do such signs? And there was a division among them. So they said again to the blind man, this poor guy, what do you say about him since he has opened your eyes? What's your assessment? He said, well, he's clearly a prophet. The Jews did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they called his parents. And they asked them, Is this your son who you say was born blind? How does he now see? Verse 20. His parents answered, We know that this is our son, and we know that he was born blind. But how he now sees, we do not know. Nor do we know who opened his eyes. We don't have a clue. We weren't there. Ask him. He's of age. He's standing right here. Just ask him. He'll speak for himself. His parents said these things because they feared the Jews. For the Jews had already agreed that if anyone should confess Jesus to be the Christ, he was to be put out of the synagogue, which is a big deal in that culture. If you're put out of the synagogue, you're socially basically isolated from everybody. 
Verse 23, therefore his parents said, he is of age, ask him. In other words, we're not going to answer. We're not going to play into your little game here. So for the second time, verse 24, they called the man who had been born blind and said to him, give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. Verse 25, he answered, whether he is a sinner, I do not know. (laughs) That's above my pay grade. One thing I do know, that though I was blind, now I see. And they said to him, what did he do to you? How did he open your eyes? He answered to them, well, I've told you already and you would not listen. Why do you want to hear it again? You know, the whole spit and mud story over and over again. Do you want also to become his disciples? (laughs) Maybe you guys want to follow up. And they reviled him saying, you are his disciples. Look at this. But we just hear them dripping in pride, religious pride. But we are disciples of Moses. And we know that God has spoken to Moses. But as for this man, we do not know where he comes from. The man answered, why, this is an amazing thing. You do not know where he comes from. And yet he opened my eyes. We know that God does not listen to sinners, but if anyone is a worshiper of God, he does his will. God listens to him. Never since the world began has it been heard that anyone opened the eyes of a man born blind. If this man were not from God, he could do nothing. And here's the whole point of why I turned you here to Romans 9. Look at verse 34. Look at how they answer this. Hear the pride. Hear the religiosity, the self-righteousness. They answered him, You were born in utter sin, and you would teach us, and they cast him out. Despite all the testimony, despite all the witnesses, they didn't want to hear it. They didn't really care. They have something higher. They have something better. See, that's the way religious people feel. They really feel that way. And I'll tell you what, we have to be careful because even we who are Christians sometimes, we who are redeemed by Christ, sometimes we can begin to feel that way. That we're a little better off than everybody else. We didn't become Christians, beloved, because we're the cream of the crop. That's not what the Bible tells us. In a Christless state, every one of us is under the command, the control, the dominion, the authority of sin and Satan. That's clearly what the Bible teaches. There's no exceptions. The Apostle John who says the whole world lies in the lap of the wicked one. That's so true. And yet we forget that at times. And if you don't admit it, if you can't bring yourself to admit that, yeah, I guess I am a sinner, then you've really reached the depth of your own self-deceit. You're delusional. We might like to make classifications of sinners. We put them in different categories. But you know what? It doesn't matter whether you're a cultured sinner or a vile sinner. They're, They're sinners. And they will not stand before God. All men are under sin Everybody in the human race is dragged into sin. 
If you look at this text, and we'll be looking at it again next week, in verse 9 you have the word all. All are under sin. And then down a little further in the the preceding verses, or the, the, the verses that follow that, you see the word none, none, none. I mean, they're pretty exceptional terms he's using here. There's not a lot of gray area. All, none, those words mean something. What is the corruption? What is this? It's, it's human depravity. That's what it is. And he turns to Scripture in verse 10 and he says, as it is written, I'm not telling you this, I'm going to turn to the Word of God and tell you this. And he begins to quote some of the Psalms. That's what Jesus did, right? When he was tempted, what did he do? He quoted Scripture. It's interesting, as it is written, is in the perfect tense. What that means, it's, it's something that was written in time past and it has ongoing results, continuing results. Even though it was written way back then, it's a settled issue. It's part of the record. You can't change it. So what is this human depravity? Well, this is what Paul is explaining to us in Romans chapter 3. None righteous, not even one. That's total Depravity is the theological term that we use. As opposed to what? Partial depravity? I don't know how you could read the text of Scripture and realize and not realize that you're totally depraved. Outside of Christ, there's nothing good in you. Nothing. Now, the people that like to paint a different picture of this would like to say that, well... You know, we believe that man is a sinner, but we do believe that there's a little bit of good in him so that when he's presented the gospel, if it's presented the right way and with enough passion and maybe the right track or whatever, that they can respond positively out of their will. There's enough good in them that they can kind of figure it out that this is a good thing to put my faith and trust in Christ and I'm going to put my faith and I'm going to trust Christ and I'm going to, and I'm going to, that's what you hear. You hear it all over the place. That's not what Scripture teaches. And we're going to be going into next week what it means, the doctrine of total depravity, what exactly that means. You can read ahead in the outline and kind of get a gist of it, but we're going to do that next week. I'm trying to be sensitive to the kids in the, cl- in the, um, the service, so I'm, I'm kind of squashing my, my, my sermons down a little bit anyway. Um, not doing a real good job at that, but trying to cut them off about 40, 45 minutes just because we have our children in the services for the month of August. Doesn't mean we're going to miss anything. We're going to come right back next week and pick this up right there. But don't think for a second that you're not totally depraved. Because you are, and so am I. And so is everyone. The only person who ever lived on this earth who wasn't was our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Father, we thank you for your word this morning. Lord, we we pray that we would understand that we are truly guilty as charged before you. Lord, we just, just barely scratched the surface this morning. But Father, as we ponder this idea that we are depraved in our human nature and the corruption that dwells within our own evil hearts, Father, how much more that causes us to run to you as our Savior. How much more that causes us to run to your grace, to your mercy, 
because we know that we stand before you convicted. There's only one way out of this courtroom, you might say. And it's not by going through the trial, trying to convince the other side that you're right, because if we were to do that, we would be wrong. It's better just to acknowledge it. It's better just to turn to God as the man in the New Testament who was so rattled by his own sin that he couldn't even put a couple words together. But he cried out to God, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. That's what God wants to hear from you. It doesn't matter how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. If you understand the fact that, you know what? You are depraved in God's sight, that you are a sinner and that you need the grace that Christ so freely offers. That's the first step. The first step is acknowledging that. The second step is crying out to God for mercy to help you to believe the truth of the gospel. We pray that you would do your work in each heart here this morning. Help us to leave here as Christians with a kind of an encouraged, stronger, bolder testimony of the gospel to people who do not know you. Yeah, this message is offensive. It's not something people like to hear, but it's the truth. And when we share it in love, when we share it with concern for their heart and their soul, I think God does a work in their heart to allow them to hear it and to even desire, draw them onto Him. Father, we thank you. We we praise you in Jesus' precious name. Well, thank you for spending time with us here today on Graceful Truth, the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. It's our prayer here at Graceful Truth that God would reveal His grace to your hearts through the teaching of His Word each week. And we trust you're currently involved in a Bible teaching church in your area. If not, we'd love to have you come and visit us here at Grace Bible Church in Redwood City. We meet each Sunday morning for our praise and worship service at 10 a.m., We offer nursery care and Sunday school classes for our children up to grade five. And if you would like to encourage us here at Graceful Truth, please give us a call at Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City. Our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. We meet at 2225 Euclid Avenue here in Redwood City. Directions are on our website, gracefultruth.org, or again, simply call 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. And again, we'd love to have you join us for worship. Simply call for directions or go to our website, gracefultruth.org. While you're at our website, make sure to check out the resource materials available from us here at Graceful Truth, including past programs of Graceful Truth that you can download for free. Gracefultruth.org is where to go. If you're writing to us, our address is 2225 Euclid Avenue. That's 2225 Euclid Avenue. We're here in Redwood City. The zip code is 94061. And again, our phone number is 650-366-9923. That's 650-366-9923. One other invitation we would like to extend to you is the opportunity to partner with us financially. 
as you probably know by now through most of the other programming here on KFAX. Each of these broadcasts are brought to you as a direct result of involvement from listeners such as yourself, both financially and prayerfully. As you consider year-end giving, would you consider Graceful Truth in the ministry of Grace Bible Church here in Redwood City? It would mean a great deal to us to hear from you at this time. You can write to us at Graceful Truth, 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, California. The zip code is 94061. You can also contact us by phone 650-366-9923. You can learn more about Graceful Truth online at gracefultruth.org and, coming soon, the ability to contribute securely online at our website, again, gracefultruth.org. That's gracefultruth.org. And again, we're able to come to you each and every week here on KFAX as you partner with us financially, saying that the broadcast is of value to you and that you would like to help continue spreading God's Word through the ministry of Graceful Truth each and every Sunday here on KFAX. And again, as you consider year-end giving, it would mean a great deal to us at this time to hear from you. So would you take a moment and get a hold of us? Again, you can contact us with your donation at 650-366-9923 or write to us and address your envelope to 2225 Euclid Avenue, Redwood City, California. The zip code is 94061. And again, all of that information can again be found at our website, gracefultruth.org. We do thank you for joining us and look forward to hearing from you. It would mean a great deal to us at this time of year. Until next week at this same time, God bless.